Hey there, and welcome back in to the Bet US NFL show for another week. It is great to be back with you. I am merely the somewhat competent host, TJ Reeves. You are here for the handicapping, and the handicapping that's been doing quite well, by the way, on this show. Hello, Scott Kellen. Hello, Chris Farley. Boys, good to be back with you for another Thursday with plenty to go over and talk about on the show. Brother Farley, how you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling great. We had a winning week in the show last week. Uh, I think I went three and two overall or something. But Scott Kellen is an absolute <laughs> heater, which, you know, Scott's one of these. He, he knows how it goes, right? So he's anticipating something else happening, but it's not happening Kudos to you, Scott. You're you're on fire, man. We love that, Scott Kellen. How you feeling? Hey, I'm good, and uh, thank you, Chris. And you're doing well too. And uh, yeah, you know, you enjoy it as long as you can. The other thing, I noticed this um, uh, a day or two ago, TJ, and then I came across a uh, a Twitter account that kind of said this a little bit more eloquently this morning. I don't remember who had it, but there's like five or six teams that if we stop today are in the playoffs, and they all have negative point differentials for the season which is pretty amazing. So that, it's been that, that kind of incredible. year and, um, you know. Well, and Minnesota's one of them. And yes. Minnesota's got 10 wins. And when they lose, they lose badly in their three losses. And so they have a 10-win, 10-3 and three record right now with a ne- – am I correct? With a negative yeah. point differential. Oh, yeah. That's and really I'm not hard at, I think to Tennessee, do. I think Tennessee, I think the Chargers. Tennessee's in first place as well. Negative, right? So, yeah, it's crazy. Hard to figure this stuff out, but we do our best here. By the way, thank you for finding us. We're live Thursdays, 1 Eastern time. If you've ventured into our little world, hit the like button, hit the bell. Make sure you're subscribing. Thank you for doing that as we roar on towards uh, Christmas, towards New Year's. The NFL playing on both Christmas and New Year's Day. NFL never goes away. We've got Thursday night football. We've got three games on Saturday this weekend. We're ready to go over every game. So thank you. Share us out. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure that you're here on Thursdays. You may be seeing us a little bit later on on Thursday, Friday. We're relevant, obviously, through the weekend. Thank you for finding us. And get some questions and answers going in the live chat. We go over every game. And so some of the comments, some of the questions, you'll see those as that one is right there on the bottom of the screen. You'll see those as we go along and as we make the picks. All right, as the guys mentioned, we are rolling along, especially over the last four to six weeks of the season. Let's take a look at the records on the show show doing very well overall look at scott kellen right now 15 games above chris farley above and the show overall 21 above again we got five weeks to go in the regular season or actually four weeks to go now in the regular season here on this we've been really good if they've been paying attention and keeping track of this stuff so let's hope that it does continue boys you ready you ready to get yeah, away hey, let's do it Yes, TJ, sir. I just want to say one other thing here, because I know some people go to just specific games, uh, and both Chris and I got a lot of best bets today, which is great, but there's going to be other games, that, at least for me, that are on the fringe that, you know, if something goes a little bit here or there point-wise and whatnot, could be a best bet too, so feel free to listen to all the games, because there's going to be some other best bets probably uncovered that we don't have right now today as well. And our guys at BetUS TV and gals do a fantastic job of giving you every individual game on the BetUS NFL channel to go through. And we give you something on every game, which is what Scott is talking about. Even if there's not an official play, we do that. We're here for you. And let's begin, shall we, with Thursday Night Football. I'm proud of Scott. I'm proud of Chris. That they have not brought up as of yet that I endured what happened last week to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the hands of those San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, hello. Wiped out the Buccaneers in a 35-7 win. Now San Francisco's got to come right back, boys, and play the Seahawks Thursday night in what is a must-win for Seattle because the 49ers clinch the division if they win this game tonight. They will be up three on Seattle with the tiebreaker. 
So that will punch the 49ers ticket as the division winner if they win. 49ers, a road three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 43 on a Thursday in Seattle. And Chris Farley, you're going to begin the show with an official play on this one. What do we like, sir? I am. I am going to take the Seattle Seahawks at home at plus three-and-a-half which is a pretty scary bet with the way the 49ers are playing. I'll talk about why I like that bet in a second, but let me just talk about Brock Purdy for a second too. Um, I do think that this is a really good fit for the 49ers, and now we've seen it two weeks in a row. He kind of looks like what they wanted from Trey Lance, right? He's got some mobility. He can use the bootleg. They can use the bootleg with him. Um, he goes to those second and third choices when he's breaking down. I mean, he understands the playbook in his rookie year. There, there's a lot to like about Brock Purdy. For sure, and San Francisco has been playing some lights-out defense. I mean, their last six games, they're keeping teams to 10.6 points per game. So uh, this is a great defense. They're number one in opponent total yards, number one in opponent total points per game. But this line is telling you to bet the Seattle Seahawks. And even if it's really tough, I have to do it. There's a lot that's going to make Brock Purdy more uncomfortable in this game. He is coming into it with an oblique and rib injury. He'll probably play, but he's officially questionable. You know, you get hit one or two times when, on those ribs, and you're going to feel it, right? We've seen that with Mike White last week. We've seen it with Justin Herbert this year. He's also on the road. It's also a short week. It's also a divisional game, and it's, you know, Seattle's arguably one of the best uh, home field advantages in the NFL. So this is just going to be a more challenging situation for Brock Purdy. I know it's so uncomfortable picking the Seahawks with how they've looked, especially the past two weeks. Like the Carolina Panthers bullied the Seahawks last week, and that was, you know, at home, right? Again, at home at Seattle. So kind of embarrassing for them. I just expect Seattle to step up this week and give it their all, give it their best effort. And this, you know, San Francisco defense, I'm, I'm anticipating some kind of regression here because they played near perfect, near perfect football. Uh, if they just make one or two errors, you know, Geno Smith finds an opening. I think this Seattle team is going to come out on fire and really try and make San Francisco a little more uncomfortable so they can't play their brand of football, which is run down Seattle's throat, right? Because if, if they get control of the game, they're probably going to do exactly what the Panthers did to the, to the Seahawks last week. And that Seattle defense didn't look like they were capable of stopping anything. So um, certainly a little afraid of that, but I'm getting the hook. Again, home divisional team in a very desperate spot. So I'm taking Seattle plus three and a half. You know, on the Three Dog Thursday show that is our brother's show here on BetUS TV, I like this for the same reasons and like Seattle having just seen San Francisco. It's not Scott Kellen bitterness having watched what the 49ers did to the Buccaneers, but it's more about what uh, Chris was referring to. The loud crowd is really going to be a factor. Brock Purdy didn't have that the last couple of games. Scott, follow up on that point and thoughts if no official play from you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, yeah, San Francisco steamrolled over Tampa Bay last week and uh, they were probably going to do it regardless. But A, Tampa went in there missing a whole bunch of people in the secondary. Then Vita Vey gets hurt. They, they had a lot of injuries, deficiencies on the defensive side, which really added to that as well. So, you know, you got to put that all in context a little bit, I think. Um, I do show some value, some pretty decent value, not quite enough for me to make it a best bet, but uh, on Seattle as well. And let's look here. Carroll, 18 and 6 against the spread as a home dog since he came to Seattle. The 49ers, and they've had some decent teams that they brought here. They are just two and ten straight up at Seattle during the regular season when they've come and played against any Pete Carroll team. So, uh, and and the other thing I would say, you know, to your point, Chris, 
yeah, they didn't look good last week. We know the, the problems with the defense, but they were laying whatever it was, three and a half, four points last week. So now you're watching this game. Your team's behind. you got to somehow overcome, just get back in the lead, and then hope you win by more than four, you know, win by six or seven points. Here, you don't have to win the game. You could be down by 10, get a touchdown at the end, lose by three. So you got to kind of remember where the line is, too, and that just gives you a little bit of added uh, help here in case they don't perform great and are behind in this game, they can still backdoor this game. Uh, you know, my only concerns with Seattle is you've got this great offense against this great defense. You pointed it out, Chris. I think San Francisco's given up 17 or less in like six straight games. The only concern I have for Seattle, as good as their offense has been, they have struggled against the few defensive teams they've played this year. 16 against uh, Tampa Bay uh, over in Germany. Uh, seven against these 49ers in week two. It's a long time ago. And then 17 against Denver in week one. I think those are probably the only good defensive teams they played. So, you know, Seattle maybe doesn't get more than 17 or 20 points in this game. But, you know, if, if they can get to that, that might be enough. And let's remember, no Debo Samuel in this game is either. So, Brock on the road, uh, you know, and, and this offense is set up. It's a quarterback-friendly offense, which I think is part of the reason we've seen them do okay. But now he's going on the road. Like you said, TJ, you know, you lose a half step here in Seattle. And then no Debo Samuel as well. Uh, McCaffrey a little beat up. So uh, I think there's value with the Seahawks in this game. All right, good enough. Let's lock Chris Farley in. He likes on Thursday night football the Seattle Seahawks in this one, in the Thursday night game as the home underdog against Seattle, trying to keep their playoff hopes uh, intact because a loss again on Thursday night puts them really in jeopardy of not even making the playoffs after they had gotten to 6-2. and two. It's how you finish up, though, and it's a big one for them against the 49ers on Thursday. Let's move on and get into the Saturday slate. That'll include, yes, three Saturday games, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore without Lamar Jackson beating Pittsburgh last week, Cleveland being roughed up last week by the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Cleveland is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. The total is 37. Boys, we still don't know about Lamar Jackson with the injured knee. It's week-to-week. He's limited in practice right now. Again, we're midweek doing this show live on Thursday. We'll have a better idea of whether he plays or not. Both of you are interested in this game. Scott, begin things. What do you like and why? Uh, TJ, I'm going to take Baltimore in a teaser here, so we'll tease them up to eight-and-a-half points. We used them last week. Unfortunately, the second leg of the teaser didn't get there, so it was the one loss I had last week. But uh, but it kind of played out to form for Baltimore, uh, and I think it's going to do that again in this game. I I think Tyler Huntley's going to play. I mean, I'm kind of just assuming Jackson doesn't play. Uh, he hasn't cleared concussion protocol, but I think he's moving along in all the steps. Uh, so seems to be on track to be able to play. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the final injury report today. I'd expect he'll be listed as questionable, but they'll get him cleared. A uh, couple things here. Ravens, 14-3-1 and, 14, three and one against the spread since a road dog since 2017. And I didn't look at this myself, but I was reading something else earlier today. They had slightly different numbers than what I just quoted. But they were saying they were like 6-0 and oh against the spread without Lamar Jackson as a road dog as well. Obviously, last week that happened as well. So just the style of this team. Uh, you know, they get the right people to replace Jackson, and and they're running the ball, right, for the most part, and that's what they did last week. Uh, and in that time frame, they've gone 10-8 and eight straight up with the only two losses straight up by uh, – uh, only two losses of those eight by more than five points. So even when they lose, they're losing, and they're losing in a competitive standpoint. Uh, and you got Cleveland, who are, who is just 3-8 and eight against the spread as a home favorite since 2021, and – 
they're just three and eight straight up against Baltimore since Harbaugh came to Baltimore. Um, and their three wins against Baltimore have been by two, three, and six points. So even when they've defeated Baltimore, they have not done this uh, and, and really separated themselves from the Ravens. Uh, Ravens' rush defense is very good and has gotten that much better when Rokan Smith came over. I think I've got them rated fourth in the league, and they're probably even better than that since Smith came over. We know Cleveland wants to run the ball, uh, so this is going to play into the hands of you know uh, what the Ravens do best and what Cleveland wants to do. And Cleveland, for whatever reason, since Watson came aboard, they haven't run the ball quite as well either. Um, and then you're going to see a lot of high wins in this game, it looks like. So I don't know that the passing game is going to be great. And remember, we talked about this last week. Um, they also got their safety back, the Ravens, last week. Uh, Williams, I believe it was. And that's just adding to this defense. So I don't see Cleveland scoring a ton of points in this game. It's a low total. Uh, we're teasing through the three and seven, and those have been very successful historically from a teaser. And this year is no different. They've been extremely good this year as well. So I think the teaser is an excellent play uh, in this game uh, on Baltimore. All right. Chris Farley, some thoughts. And I know you've got an official play as well on Ravens-Browns. Yep, on the same exact side as Scott, I'm going to tease up the Ravens to plus eight and a half as well. Uh, a lot of things that Scott mentioned, I, I completely agree with. I mean, this is a defense who, since they got Roquan Smith, top 10 in a lot of categories, top five in a lot of categories, not allowing as many points. I think it's like something like 18 points per game in their last six games or so. Um, so, you know, as, as clunky as the offensive side has looked at times, the defense is really keeping them in games and really limiting offenses. Now, I did see some flashes of the old Deshaun Watson last week, right? Like, just saw him making some creative plays, but, you know, for the most part, he still looks pretty uncomfortable out there. And I think people forget, not only is this the first time he's playing in, like, two years, but it's also with a brand-new team, right? It's a brand-new play, brand playbook, brand-new players where they have to form chemistry with. Um, it's going to be very windy there in Cleveland. It's going to be cold, could be sloppy with some – precipitation as well so you're just a classic afc north battle that checks out as a really tough close game throughout and you know tyler hunley didn't have a great game last week didn't have to do that much right but um it, he, he's a better quarterback than he showed and this cleveland browns secondary and pass defense even though they played somewhat better the second half of the season they're still not very good and they still definitely allow some space which you know where the ravens sacrifice size at the wide receiver position they do have some speed, and I think their wide receivers could get open, you know, especially in the middle of the field where the Browns have been giving up a lot of easy passes. So uh, Ravens just stick around on this one, could win it straight up as well. So I love them at plus eight and a half. All right, good stuff here on this one. A lot of good information right there, and the guys are in agreement. They both like a teaser play with John Harbaugh's Baltimore Ravens chasing Cincinnati in the AFC North. They're going to tease the line up to eight and a half and have a future team here to pair that up with stay tuned on the show to find out who that is for the baltimore uh, ravens and uh, being the road underdog in this case continue on saturday again a triple header of games on saturday the nfl kind of taking advantage of college football not as being as prevalent on saturday it includes the indianapolis colts and the minnesota vikings the might the vikings still smarting after being beaten badly by the detroit lions as we referenced from last week vikings laying four at home here are the Colts again with Matt Ryan and company. They come off of a bye week. They've been on national TV a couple of times, losing to the Cowboys badly, losing to the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Now they're on national TV, NFL Network, standalone game here. Total 48 and a half with the Vikings favored. 
And Scott Kellen, I'm right back to you. You've got an official play on this game. Go for it. Yeah, I'm going to play the Vikings minus four. Look, I know the defense is bad. Uh, they were the uh, second leg of our teaser last week, and you know we don't have to go into it, but I, I felt that was actually a good play. And uh, maybe if they don't have the onside kick at the end there, uh, Detroit's not able to kick the field goal, which takes us out of the teaser. Um, but, you know, they, they hung, right? And uh, prior to that, to two weeks prior to that, I had them laying, I think it was two and a half at home against New England, three against the Jets. Both those teams are better than the Colts. Now, look, I, the Colts bring a, a you know, a, a very good defense to town as well. I think what's kind of got lost with Minnesota, and yes, negative point differential. They've been lucky. They've won a lot of close games. I get all that. I ho- totally agree with all that. At the line of scrimmage, your numbers are not great. But I think lost and everybody talking about how bad this defense is, this offense has performed very, very well. Uh, you know, they scored whatever it was, 27 against the Jets, 33 or something against New England. Those are good defenses that they scored on at home. And essentially, they've scored 23 or more points in almost every game this year, uh, with the exception of a couple. Yeah, they scored three against Dallas, but they lost their left tackle, Darisaw, in that game. And I think all hell kind of broke loose when that happened against that pass rush. Darisaw should be back this week. I think they're going to get their center back, uh, Garrett Bradbury, who missed last week as well. Um, And Harrison Smith is going to come back. The one concern for me with Minnesota is Daniil Hunter uh, came up on the injury report yesterday with a neck issue, and that's why he missed time last last year. So that would be a big loss for them if they lose him. But this is, you know, the Colts are going to get their points against this defense, I think. But this is still a Colts team that scored more than 19 points, only about three times this year. So if Minnesota gets to 27 points or so in this game, and I think their offense is very capable of that, and Kenny Moore may miss another game for the Colts, which is an important secondary member for them, uh, I think it's going to be tough for the Colts to cover this it's you know this is Matt Ryan back there, and the Vikings traditionally at home can get a pass rush on the quarterback. And Matt Ryan's kind of a sitting duck back there, so he's not a mobile quarterback to, that can escape some of that stuff. So I think it's going to be a little bit difficult difficult for them. And the Vikings um, six and two of their last eight games against the spread as a home favorite, so they've taken care of business at home. Uh, I like the Vikings laying the points here. My numbers support it, um, and we'll have to hope that the defense can be somewhat respectable and and cover the four points. All right, good enough. A lot of interesting points about the Vikings. Chris, any quick thoughts here? I know you don't have an official play on this one on Minnesota hosting Indianapolis Saturday. I know we got 16 games to go over, so I'll keep it quick. But if, if there was ever any uh, doubt about the Minnesota defense not being elite, uh, you know, I think we saw that on full display last week. Uh, but I do think that they will regress back to their average, and they usually do play a lot better at home anyway. Um, I will say... I'm in a survivor contest that started with 17,000 people. It's down to only 31 people. Um, you know, a little, little bit 17,000 down to 31. Hey, hey, do you, hey, do you want to tell? Do you want to tell them how much is uh, at stake in that one? Yeah, it's, I think it's, I know the uh, one you're talking about. Well, I wish it was more. It's uh, this is a bet online contest. Oh, uh, okay. It's worth uh, 10,000. Um, Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, Cir- I thought Circus- it was a Circa one. Sorry. I thought it was like uh, six. No, the mil- Circa Survivor Contest, I had a, t- a terrible experience. I had two entries in that this year, and that was the game where the Colts beat the Chiefs. I had the Chiefs, and that's why wow. I'm not in that one. So I will never forget that, Scott. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I, I do think that Minnesota makes a great Survivor play this week. It's just a great response spot for them at home against, against you know, to Scott's point, a team in the Colts who. The defense can be feisty, but they're probably not going to put up a lot of points, right? In Minnesota, uh, they consistently do that, at least, and they take care of business after they lose. 
Um, the only thing that concerns me about the line on Minnesota is you have two teams on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to luck rating. And Minnesota is obviously number one. We've noted that a few times in this show. But the Colts, as as badly, as poorly as they played in some spots this year, they've also had some tremendously bad luck at certain points, too. So maybe things kind of swing in the other direction in this one. But that's not something I like to base my bets on usually. So no bet on this game, but I expect Minnesota to respond. Hey, TJ, right. um, yep. just I saw Heath's comment there on the over-under. Glad he brought yep. it up. I do lean over in this game, and I'm on the edge of playing this over. If Daniil Hunter was out as well, uh, that would probably take my numbers and give me value on the over. So definitely lean to the over. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Vikings are 6-2 and two against the spread as a home favorite to the last eight games. Oh, by the way, they're 7-1 to the over in those games as well. So uh, I definitely lean over, and if we get the right you know, players playing and not playing, I would definitely take the over as well. Good stuff on all of that. Nice job, Farley, on being one of the final 31. The few the proud on that. The official play here is from Scott, and it is on the side. It's on the Minnesota Vikings for the Saturday matchup against Saturday afternoon matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. A couple of housekeeping things, by the way. Thank you for finding us. If you've just joined the show live on Thursday at 1 Eastern time, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you hit subscribe, uh, etc. Make sure you're sharing us out. More and more of you are finding us, and the live audience, guys, is growing and growing. I see that in the live chat right now on YouTube. So thank you for finding us. We're going over every game here. Another uh, thing of housekeeping, there's a couple of odds boosts that BetUS wants you to know about for the Thursday night game with the 49ers and the Seahawks. Christian McCaffrey's rushing yards and to score a touchdown have both been boosted up. They've both been boosted. The rushing yards of 100 or more and to score a touchdown in the game boosted up from plus 250 now to plus 350. That's for Thursday night football. We already discussed that game a little earlier here in the show. Also, the 49ers uh, Seahawks to have at least one TD in every quarter. Will there be a touchdown? Either team in every quarter in the game has been odds boosted as well. And there's also an odds boost on the Vikings, Browns, and Bills to all win the game straight up. We just talked about uh, the the uh, the Browns and the matchup with the Ravens. We're going to be talking about the Bills in just a second. The odds boost is for them to just win. The Vikings, the Browns, and Bills all to win. Now boosted up to plus 300 on BetUS. Go check it out. BetUS.com. You'll see all those odds boosts. Thursday night football or that little trifecta there of teams that you can odds boost up if all of them simply win on the money line uh, and win the game. Check that out. Housekeeping done and out of the way. Let's rock on for Saturday night and a primetime game in Buffalo where it will be cold. The Miami Dolphins have been in California. Didn't work out so well. They lost both games. Now they are seven and a half point underdogs playing in a revenge spot with the Buffalo Bills. The total in this one is 43 and a half. Uh, for this matchup and Chris Farley we're right back to you for an official play here and I believe this is going to also play into your two team tease yes this is the second leg of my six point teaser and I'm going to tease down the bills to minus one and a half um, let me just talk about the straight up spread first you know and most pro betters are probably you know when this came out at seven then moved up to seven and a half you want to take the Dolphins right because that, that's a lot of points uh, I mean this is a divisional game you know, you know, the Dolphins handled business earlier in the year. Of course, the uh, situation and certainly the atmosphere was much different there and uh, scorching hot Miami. Uh, but, um, you know, still a divisional game and a really important game for the Dolphins because if they lose this, then they really are starting to be in, in jeopardy of losing their playoff spot, right? So Correct. It's, it's, it's a desperation game for Miami, but 
the fact that it came out at seven and has stayed there or even moved in favor of Buffalo, um, it, it was a little surprising to me, actually, because I was expecting it maybe to drop down a little bit in favor of Miami, uh, especially because at first we thought this was going to be slippery weather. Now, as of now, it doesn't say there's going to be any kind of precipitation in this game. Uh, there's like that nor'easter that's roaring across America right now, but I, I don't think it's going to affect this game as of now anyway. But if it did, you know, the slippery conditions kind of favors Miami because they have so much speed on offense. You know, defensive players have to adjust. They don't know the routes that the offensive players are running, right? And that usually favors uh, really fast offenses, but maybe that's less of a concern. Like with Daniel, certainly trying to play down the weather conditions. You know, they're wearing the shirts. They're saying they're not afraid of the cold. I'll put it this way. The Dolphins had heaters on in their game last week in Los Angeles. And that's like 40 degrees, 50 degrees. What are they going to feel like in, in really cold, windy Buffalo? I think it is going to affect them a little bit. This is a really important game for Buffalo. They're at home. Uh, you know, they want revenge in this situation. And I know their offense hasn't looked all that great, but their defense has really stepped up. They looked great last week, even without Von Miller, who, you know, he won't be back for the Bills, and that's a huge loss. But I think the team knows that they kind of have to step up now that he's not there. He, you know, he could still be a leader on the sideline, et cetera. Um, so th- this is a spot where I just think that Buffalo is going to win it. You know, they're at home. They're not going to let Miami win another one. Um, and, and, you know, for what it's worth, there is a little bit of wind, which there should be. That affects Tua way more than it's going to affect Josh Allen. I mean, if anyone doubts that Tua has a little bit of arm strength issues, you know, et cetera, it's, you know, the past two weeks they were pretty glaring, right? And, the, and, and two good defenses – figured out how to limit Miami, I would expect Buffalo to do the same against these Dolphins this week. So Buffalo minus one and a half, second leg of my teaser. All right. He completes his teaser leg. I know, Scott Kellen, you don't have an official play here, but a quick thought or two before we move on off this Saturday night game. Again, people need to understand they're playing Saturday games. This is a Saturday night NFL Network primetime game. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think this is going to be a very difficult spot for Miami for all the reasons Chris mentioned. And remember that game that Miami won 21-19, the Bills were extremely uh, limited on defense. They had a ton of defensive injuries in that game, obviously along with the heat that was down there in Florida as well. So uh, this is a much different situation. They've got a lot of defensive guys back. Not all. Miller's gone now. He was in that first game, of course. But they haven't played well up here uh, in the last, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five years. Uh, Buffalo's won by 15, 30, 10, 25, and 8 points, going 3-1-1 against the spread in those games. So they've kind of had their number when Miami has come to town. Obviously, this is a better version of Miami. But the other thing here is Miami has played uh, four top 10 offenses in the league, and Buffalo I still have rated up there, even though they haven't been as good recently. They've allowed 38, 27, 27, and 33 points in those four games. They're probably giving up 27 points in this game, you know, short of the weather uh, hampering them a little bit. In Buffalo, when they're a large favorite like this, um, they've been a seven-point favorite in 13 games over the last 13 games. They've allowed 17 or less in 10 of those 13 games. So I just don't see Buffalo allowing a lot of points here. It's probably 17 or less for Miami. Uh, And history is showing that Miami is not a great defense. They're probably giving up 24-27 in this game. Uh, so that makes, obviously, the teaser very good. Um, and then, you know, from a cover standpoint, kind of puts it right on the front. So I think the teaser is a good play here. And this is a huge game for Buffalo as well. They lose this game. They'll only be one game ahead of Miami, and they've lost twice to Miami, so they cannot tie That's with correct. Miami. So this is important for Miami, but it's, you know, it, this is this kind of seals the division for Buffalo if they can win this game as well. 
You bring up a good point. It's not just if you lose, but who are you losing to? We talked about this earlier in the show, if you're just joining us, with Seattle. Because if they lose the Thursday night game, they lose the head-to-head tiebreaker with San Francisco, and the 49ers are now three clear of everybody. They clinch the division. So it's who you lose to sometimes as well at the end of this season. Good point there, Scott, on the Bills and the Dolphins. Nonetheless, the official play belongs to Chris Farley. It's the back half of his two-team tees. He teases Buffalo down to a point and a half. Let's move to Sunday, shall we? Full slate of games. You're getting all of it here on the BetUS Thursday afternoon. Uh, NFL show live at 1 Eastern time. You may be watching us at a later time, but we go over every game. New York Giants and Washington Commanders. They get ready to battle in a rematch of a game a couple of weeks ago that had no winner. It ended in a tie. Uh, The Commanders, four and a half point favorites. The total at 40 and a half in this one. We do not have an official play. Chris Farley, though, I'm going to come to you. Uh, Real quick, though, for a thought or two here on the Giants as the road dog. This is a big game for both of these teams chasing NFC wildcard status. Yeah, you talk about a red flag signal from the sports books. Um, The fact that New York is plus four and a half when these two two teams just faced each other two weeks ago, went into overtime, very closely fought game. I I think that says a lot, right? Um, I I don't want to take the Giants here because I think First of all, I think that the Commanders are just a better team. I think that they've proven it at this point. They're, you know, they're kind of surging at the right time, whereas the Giants are being exposed at the same time. Saquon Barkley has been banged up for almost a month now. And, you know, obviously, pro- probably the uh, central component of their offense, game to game, um, and that's a game where both teams just kind of were sloppy. You know, both weren't very good on third down conversions. Uh, the Giants fumbled the game early in the first quarter. Washington fumbled early in the second half. And then Washington, when it mattered, though, they went right down the field in, in a drive in the fourth quarter that looked like the Giants were incapable of stopping Washington when they really needed to score. And then, you know, the overtime situation was just weird. But um, this is a great setup for Washington. I mean, two weeks ago, it's, it's, it's rare that you get to face the same team off a of bye, right? And Washington, that game happened in week 13. They had a bye in week 14. So all they've had to do is think about that tie, think about this team, prep for it, and now they get to play this team at home as well. Um, very important game for both teams, obviously, because if you know whoever wins, both Detroit and Seattle could lose this week, and then they put themselves in a great spot to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Um, and I just think, you know, overall – and I was actually a little surprised by how well the Giants played in the second and third quarters of that first game because the Commanders match up pretty darn well against the Giants. They have a great pass rush, have a much better defense, and they have talent and speed on offense that could take advantage of a banged-up Giants secondary and the Giants defense is starting to get exposed too. So I don't want to play either side in this. I want to hope that the Giants can hang around. But, you know, uh, I think Washington makes a great survivor play. And the fact that this line, the Sharps haven't moved this line down at all in favor of the Giants, and I think that says a lot. Scott Kellen, it is a home game for the Commanders that have found life with Taylor Heineke once again here, just like in the 2020 season. They have found life here. They get the game at home. They smell the playoffs very much. As comical as that might have sounded to say in late September when they were struggling with Carson Wentz, they're in range to be in the NFC playoff picture. Quick thought, Scott, here on this one, if no official play. Yeah, uh, I show value on Washington, and I'll probably end up being a Washington. I'm just trying to see if this thing maybe goes down to four and and grab that number rather than the four and a half. 
you know, if, if you're going to look and say, why would the Giants cover it? Well, they are 9-2 and two against the spread as a road dog of less than seven with Daniel Jones. They've been pretty good there. 4-0 and oh against the spread, and I think they've won three of those last four games in Washington the last four years. So they played well here. They lost by one point. But uh, why would I not want the Giants? Well, they're 1-4-1 and one straight up in their last six games. All four losses by eight points or more. Remember that eight-point loss was against Dallas. They scored late. They were down by 15. So really, you could say all four of the losses are by 13 or more because uh, that was a kind of a garbage score at the end. Um, and their one win was over Houston, who has won one game this year. So not you know not real uh, confidence building there. Uh, and Heineke, like you said, TJ, five one and one straight up now um, since uh, he took the reins. Now they've had a lot of close games. That's the only thing that gets me a little leery here. Remember, they beat Atlanta by six. They could have lost that game. Atlanta was on the goal line at the end of the game. So. There's some stuff there that worries me about them being able to create separation. Might get Chase Young back. It seems like every week Chase Young's ready to come back, and he doesn't. Off the bye, maybe this is where they're finally going to bring him back. And I think they were missing one of their uh, one of their better cornerbacks, Washington, when they played the Giants, and I think he'll be back uh, this week as well. So I have value on Washington. I'll probably end up being on Washington, just seeing if we can get this line to come down a little bit. Uh, you know, if I have to lay five versus four and a half, I'm not too worried, but I'd much rather take four if I can get it. All right, so nothing official on the show. Keep an eye on line movement and what happens in the Giants-Commanders rematch coming on Sunday. Another rematch, this one in the NFC South. Two teams that are smarting, both off the bye week, both just clinging to uh, desperation hope to try to get back in the NFC South race with the Saints hosting the Falcons. The Saints laying four. The Falcons have gone to rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter, the former Cincinnati quarterback that had them in the college football playoff last year for the Bearcats. Total 43 in this game. Saints still sticking, it seems like, with Andy Dalton at quarterback. They've struggled on offense, uh, but Dennis Allen, the the new first-year coach replacing Sean Payton, is still going to stick with Andy Dalton, it appears, in this South matchup. Again, Atlanta with five wins, New Orleans with only four wins. It means more for Atlanta if they can get the road win. It is a revenge situation after Jameis Winston in week one led a New Orleans comeback to defeat the Falcons. So it's revenge for the Falcons. Scott Kellen, I'm right back to you for an official play. What do you like on this rematch, Saints-Falcons Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to lay the four with the Saints in this game, TJ. Um, my one concern, or maybe that you know, uh, a reason this game will start out uh, a little bit in the favor of Atlanta is they come off the bye. They're going to start Desmond Ritter. Uh, they've had two weeks to kind of prepare him. He's going to be a complete unknown, obviously, to the Saints in terms of what they're going to run out there offensively. You know, I don't know if it's going to look very similar to what they did with Mariota or not. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of pause there just because that element of surprise could cost the Saints a little bit of time in this game to, you know, get the lead and extend the lead. But uh, my numbers support the play. Uh, and this is, this is, I think there's a couple of things here. The Saints, A, are going to get back their center. It looks like Eric McCoy. He's been out for a while. And they're going to get back uh, one of their best linebackers, Pete Werner, uh, who's been out for the last four games or so. Uh, and he was having a terrific year. So it looks like he's coming back. You know, Marshawn Lattimore, we'll see. He practices every single week and then doesn't play. He would obviously be a boost, but I'm not counting him, him coming back. But this is going to be the sixth top half uh, in the league defense that Atlanta will have faced this year. And their other games, they've scored 27, 15, 17, 15, and 13. The 27 was against the Rams, but they had about 17 points on a block punt return for a touchdown. 
a turnover they started at the Rams' 30-yard line. So they didn't really score 27 points in that game. It, again, it was you know probably closer to like 13 or 10. Uh, so they've just not scored against these better defenses. I don't think they're going to be able to score a lot of points here. And that's problematic for Atlanta because this is a defense that I think has given up 20 or more in all but two games, which I think was their last two games. But those two games were against offenses that are in the bottom 10 of the league. Uh, you know, Washington is down there as well as Pittsburgh. So they haven't played a, a, a real good offense. And the Saints offense, you know, minus any Andy Dalton mistakes and, and interceptions and whatnot, is okay. They've got some weapons. So uh, I like the the Saints to be able to outscore a what I would consider to be a somewhat of an anemic Atlanta offense. And this defense for Atlanta is not very good. Uh, I think the four is cheap here, and I'm going to lay it with the Saints. All right. Uh, he laid all of that out. And one other thing, uh, Chris, that he alluded to, Desmond Ritter, the rookie playing on the road in the Superdome, the loud Superdome, kind of like what we talked about earlier in the show for those just joining us. And by the way, thank you. We have soared over 200 live viewers. Let's keep going. Keep sharing the show out. Keep hitting the like button, et cetera. We talked about Brock Purdy's going to face the live road, loud, berserk crowd in uh, Seattle. I often refer to it whenever the Buccaneers play in the Superdome as a four Advil game, two before the game and two about two after the game, uh, about two hours after the game, because your head is still ringing from the noise in the Superdome. I have a feeling they will be cranked up. They have a chance to screw it up for the Falcons. Chris, a quick thought, if no official play on Atlanta going in there with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I like that Atlanta is doing that. You know, they're coming off a bye, so they have two weeks to prep for this at least. Um, and, I, and I will say, the Saints have struggled against some mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson ran for 82 yards on them. You know, both the Ravens and the Cardinals won by distance um, against the Saints. So, you know, maybe that's something to look at. I mean, these two teams that also score a lot of points in that, in that first week, the Senate found that's a long time ago. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the over, and I might end up taking it just because it's, it's a low total at 43. It's inside the dome, so no weather conditions. Um, and, you know, if, if Desmond Ritter, who did look pretty good in, you know, the meaningless football that we've seen him play, um, if, if he could be a spark for that offense and, you know, create some mobility on the edges, you know, I, this is still a, a young Saints defense in a lot of ways. They have a lot of up-and-coming players, but um, I think the Falcons can put some, put some points on the board. And I, I love that the Saints are getting their center back. You know, that's a key piece. Saints just haven't been healthy on offense all year, so that's, that's at least a good piece for them. So I think there might be a little more points than people are thinking. I don't want anything to do with the side just because of the Desmond Ritter unknown, but it is certainly not a comfy spot for him. So just lean towards the Saints because of that, but no official play. Scott Kellen is doing more than leaning. He is locked in on the Saints laying the points here. Again, if they get the win, they will now have five wins, keeping Atlanta at five wins. As comical as all this sounds, the Saints would still be alive with three games to go. The Buccaneers with six wins entering this weekend, trying to put some distance between themselves, Saints, Falcons, and Panthers. We'll see. But uh, Scott says New Orleans and lay the points. Let's continue with the Sunday early games. Detroit Lions. This is not a joke. Are they playing the best football maybe in the NFC right now, save for maybe the Philadelphia Eagles? Think about it, folks. The Lions look good. Over the last six weeks, they're now playing at the Jets. This game pick them on the BetUS line, a total of 44-and-a-half. The Jets are also playing well. They did lose in Buffalo last week. Again, the Lions come off of thumping the Vikings and keeping them from being able to clinch the NFC North. Both handicappers are on this game. Chris Farley, I'm back to you for the official play on this one. What do we have? Yeah, we got some agreement here with Scott, which I always love. 
Because if he's on the heater, I might as well jump on it with him, right? Um, but, you know, first of all, the Detroit Lions, man, I just want to say uh, they remind me a little bit of a certain New York Giants team who started to really find their rhythm. And, you know, that that's going to be a dangerous team if they make the playoffs. I don't know if anyone's going to want to play the Lions in that case, uh, you know, just because they really believe in themselves right now. And it's cool to see. I hope they do make the playoffs. But And one, is, can I add one thing to that? Jared Goff has a lot of playoff experience. Let's not forget he played true. in a Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but he's got some playoff experience. So this is not like sticking an it's unknown true. into the playoff mix that you're talking about. Continue. Yeah, and, and he might have the best offensive line he's ever had, uh, which, you know, you give Jared Goff, Goff some time and he will slice and dice a defense. But this, this is a really tough spot. For the Lions, obviously, uh, in the cold and wind of northern Jersey, uh, where everything is just gray. Trust me, it's not going to be a pretty sight there at Giants or Jets Stadium, whatever you want to refer to it. You know, this is the kind of game that the Jets really like, right? Like we see the Jets constantly limiting offenses and really slowing down games almost every single week. They've been very consistent. I have them right up there with San Francisco and New England as the best defense in the NFL. They've they're holding teams. Or, or Jets average totals of 34 points per game since week six. And I say since week six because I think that's about the time where they seem to really display some consistency week to week since that point. And home games, if you take out that weird Miami game where Skylar Thompson, uh, you know, played for three quarters and there was just a lot of high scoring in that one. If you take that out, home games have averaged 38 points per game. And that was against some good offenses like Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. Um, I just think this game sets up better the Jets coming back home off a loss. You know, Detroit is is just in a they're they're very high on themselves right now, but the line is kind of telling you everything, right? It opened up as Jets a very slight underdog and now it's moved to even at some books Jets are the favorite because the game script and the atmosphere sets up for a defensive game. Uh and you know, we don't know if Mike White is going to play in this one. I, I guess he says that he is. I know that Zach Wilson is now in the number 2 spot after what Joe Flacco showed last week, which is kind of predictable. But, you know, I don't love the quarterback situation for the Jets, and that's why I can't take a side. But I do like under 44.5. I think points are going to be a premium here in this game when we see another slower defensive battle that the Jets games tend to bring. All right. Scott Kellen, thoughts on this one with the Lions rolling along? Yeah, I'm on the under as well uh, for a lot of the reasons that Chris said. Uh, you know, the Lions, they played really two good defenses this year. They went to New England. They got, uh, um, yeah, two good defenses. They went to New England, got shut out 29 nothing. went to Dallas uh, a few weeks later, I think it was, and, and lost 24 to 6. Now, to be fair to the Lions, they had a lot of offensive injuries, especially in that New England game. Maybe not quite as bad in the Dallas game, but they were still hurting on uh, some offensive, key offensive players. So uh, I'll give them that. But, you know, they, they just. Uh, when they played some really good defenses, uh, their scoring has come down a little bit. And let's face it, the Lions are still putting out there one of the worst defenses in the league. As good as their offense has been, and Jared Goff's been a great leader for him. Campbell, he's got the element of surprise, you know, faking a punt on your own 20 or 30-yard line, you know, <laughs> in the second half and whatnot. Um, you know, there's still a defense they have to overcome. Uh, and while the Jets' offense isn't great, when they have played bad defenses this year, uh, they've scored, what, 31 at Cleveland, 40 against Miami. And to kind of Chris's point, third-string quarterback for Miami, a bunch of defensive scores or favorable field positions, so I don't really count that. But uh, 27 against Green Bay, 31 against Chicago on this field just a few weeks ago, 22 uh, against Minnesota. So um, I actually, my numbers support the Jets pretty well here. 
The one thing I'm kind of waiting on is Quinnen Williams, who's just a monster defensive lineman for them. Uh, he got hurt in the last game. They're kind of saying 50-50, which that kind of tells me that maybe he's not going to play this week. If he played, and then especially if they got Corey Davis back, uh, who's on a concussion, uh, has a concussion, I would probably, especially at this line, I would get on the Jets as well. Because um, I think they're better at the line of scrimmage for the for the most part, uh, especially with the defense. But I do like the under. I don't think Detroit's going to be able to score as much. And I do lean to the Jets. And if we get the right people playing, I might get on the Jets as well. All right. So the guy's in agreement here. And keep in mind, sorry, Farley, the Lions did come into MetLife Stadium and beat the Giants in this <laughs> facility. It's a different team, a different situation with the Jets later in the year, weather, whatever, and, and got some takeaways in that game. Let's see what it's worth. The guys agree, though, under is the play, they think, under 44.5 in the Lions matchup with the Jets. All right, let's continue. We're almost to the halfway point here, I believe, on the BetUS Thursday show. We're rocking along through every game. Chiefs and Texans. A week ago, the Texans shocked the Dallas Cowboys for like 95% of that game. On the verge of pulling an upset the whole second half before Dak Prescott in the final minute leads a drive down for the go-ahead winning touchdown despite uh, the fact that Houston is an 18-point underdog, was winning by a field goal late in the game. All right, so now we come back around to the Texans back at home. They are getting 14. The Chiefs a 14-point road favorite. The Chiefs were up big in the first half on Denver last week, but then let Denver get back in the game in Denver. Chiefs on the road two straight weeks, total 49-and-a-half for this matchup. Uh, there's not an official play on this one. Uh, Chris Farley, I'm going to come right back to you real quick here. Any thoughts? Again, as I mentioned, Mahomes threw three interceptions. They were up 27-0, but it became a game in the second half. And the Texans look good for a lot of the Cowboys games. Thoughts real quick? Yeah, I don't like playing Kansas City when they're huge favorites like this because they usually don't cover, especially on the road. Uh, and, you, you know, we saw that last week, right? Up 27-0, let Russell Wilson and the Broncos come back and, and score their highest total of the season um, in that game, which I'm just not sure how much to, uh, concern I should have about that because the Chiefs still did go up 27-0 on him, right? And uh, it just seems like they dialed it back a little bit at that point. And Houston played the game of their life, which is like, you know, maybe that's a battle Texas thing or something. I don't know. But uh, they were super competitive in that game. And I thought I was going to lose my survivor contest because of the Cowboys. But they hung on. Uh, so just, you know, competing narratives here, kind of gross game. I usually like to take a team as an underdog against the Chiefs because they're just not the team anymore that usually does go full pedal to the metal the whole game. And, and Houston does look like a better version of themselves now. But um, just because they showed that one week, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I can trust it. So just, you know, really quick thoughts on this one. Save us some time. I, I, I don't like either side in this one. Um, if I had to look at anything, it'd probably be the total, right? We saw it. Again, last week in the Houston and Dallas game, I like that over. You know, Houston put some points up, and you can put points up on the Kansas City defense, which we'll see how much of a liability that's going to be in the playoffs. But um, the Chiefs will definitely put up points, especially after Patrick Mahomes just threw three interceptions. He's going to want to get right in this game after that. And I think Houston can score a little bit. So 49-and-a-half wouldn't scare me away. I lean to the over, uh, but no, no play on either side. 
All right. And uh, again, Damian Pierce, the running back. I saw somebody in the chat putting this. And again, we see all of you in the chat. And we've got comments that are coming and sometimes some questions across the bottom of the screen. Damian Pierce out with the high ankle sprain will not play for the Texans. Scott Kellen, as we come to you, Lovey Smith even went alternating quarterbacks by design, playing Davis Mills on a series, then Jeff Driscoll on a series. And it was working for a little while. I have no idea if they intend to keep that up here. It is a lot of points. Quick thought from you, if no official play. Yeah, I, I support the over a little bit like Chris. I think I make the number right now at about 15 and a half. They might get Brandon Cooks back. I think he practiced uh, yesterday or today, maybe. Um, so, you know, that would obviously help the uh, the offense. Uh, you know, I've updated this a couple times uh, as the season's played out when it's applied. But uh, Kansas City now with Patrick Mahomes, 10 and 13 against the spread as a road favorite of more than three points. So as good as they've been, when they're asked to lay a bunch of points, they don't really necessarily come through. Uh, Mahomes is average, give or take about 34 points on the road uh, when playing in dome games. So, uh, you know, there you go, kind of towards the over. He's probably going to get his share. Houston, we know it's horrible since the beginning of last year, 2-11-1 straight up at home as a home underdog. But they are 4-1 and one against the spread as a home underdog of 10 or more. Uh, and they've allowed at least 28 points in each of those games. So, again, Kansas City is going to get their share of points. And they've gone forward one of the over in those same five games as well. So they're a, a, a much uh, inferior team, obviously, by being a double-digit double home dog. They're giving up a ton of points because of that. But they managed to score enough points to, to scrap together a cover and get the game over. So no play with me, but uh, I lean towards the over. And I'd just be careful if you're thinking about taking Kansas City because um, the numbers just don't support that either. All right, we'll see what Mahomes and the Chiefs have in this matchup on the road. They're still battling with the Bengals uh, and others trying to get the number one seed in the AFC. All right, let's continue as we go through the Sunday games. Again, there's a bevy of games on Saturday, but we also have Sunday games as well. Thank you for finding us. If you're watching us live here on the BetUS Thursday show, we've got the Eagles and the Bears coming up next. Bears getting 10 points at home off a bye week for them. The Eagles just demolished. Sorry, Chris. The Giants last week. Will it continue here on the road at Chicago? Total 48 and a half. Chris Farley, we are coming to you. You have a couple of plays that you like in this game. Tell us more. I do. I'm going to take the over in this one. I took it right away at four and a half. Um, I'm sorry, at 48. Um, and you know, 48 and a half doesn't scare me away. I have it at 52 and it's, you know, for a lot of the same reasons we see in these bears games recently, right? Um, how is the bears defense going to stop the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if any, if, uh, you know, half the NFL could stop the Eagles right now, especially not the bears. I have them as the worst defense in the NFL right now. Um, but you know, weather is going to be surprisingly okay. In Chicago, and you have the Justin Fields element, right? And now they're coming off a bye with a little game planning time, right? So this this is up to 10 now, and the Bears are going to allow a lot of points on offense, but we've seen Justin Fields just keep his team in game after game. And, you know, just like the Dallas game, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. These Eagles have the Cowboys six days later at Dallas, right? So tough spot for them at Chicago and then at Dallas going to be very easy for them to look ahead. And I think they're probably going to expect to beat the Bears in the same way that they beat the Giants. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen, right? Because Justin Fields is is the biggest difference maker between those two teams. And he's a much different quarterback than Daniel Jones. Uh, just a much better runner, much better decision maker, I would say, too, at this point. So I think Justin Fields keeps the Bears in this game. I don't know how competitive it'll be throughout. But I feel good having Justin Fields 
even if they're down 16 points in the fourth quarter to kind of close it at the end and cover. Uh, it's just a Bears team that keeps fighting because of him on offense. And, you know, the Eagles show no signs of stopping. I mean, they absolutely destroyed the Giants in every single category last week. You know, that wasn't surprising at all, but I did think that the Giants would fight a little bit harder. Uh, the Eagles are a very impressive outfit right now, but they are a bunch of humans who are probably looking ahead, too. So I think these two bets kind of hedge each other a little bit, right? Um, if the total ends up being lower, then there's a better chance that the dog hits. But I think both can hit, too. So I'm taking over and Bears plus 10. And we have seen double-digit underdogs, Scott Kellen, over and over and over again cover. Even some of them outright win. Houston, an example of that last week. Uh, as an 18-point underdog with Dallas, had that covered the whole fourth quarter and almost won the game. All right, Bears off the bye week. Eagles second straight road game. Quick thoughts, Scott, if no official play here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion on this. I mean, I'm looking here. Philly's won eight of their 12 wins by nine or more. I was kind of looking at that relative to the line up to 10 now. Um, but three of the four wins that they won by less than nine were games on the road. You know, I had Arizona, and I, I don't have the other games right in front of me right now. So uh, Detroit was one of them, obviously. So they played some closer games on the road, haven't had the separation. And I agree with Chris. I mean, you got to believe Philadelphia is going to be able to score, and this Bears defense is a little bit depleted. They, You know, they got rid of Rokan Smith, Robert Quinn. They had some injuries. They're going to get some guys back that they didn't have for that Packer game before their bye. Uh, but Philly's going to do what they do. They're going to put the points up. And um, so, you know, from an over standpoint, um, I, I agree. I think Justin Fields, you know, at any point in time, he can take a team and drive them down and get the backdoor score. Again, they could be down by 14, 17 points and get it back to 10, uh, you know, at the very end as well. So no opinion for me. My numbers slightly support Philadelphia a little bit and a little bit to the over, um, but no play. All right. You see there off the Three Dog Thursday show, our brother's show on BetUS TV, that one of our handicappers, Kyle, uh, Proviance was all over this game saying 10 points against the Eagles who haven't been good ATS on the road with the Bears off the bye week with the Eagles on a second straight road game. Let's see. Let's see what it looks like. And again, Chris is doubling up on this game. He's got the Bears plus the 10 officially. He's also got the overplay. He thinks points, points, points in this one over the 48 and a half. We continue here on this Thursday with an intriguing game. I don't know that we would have thought this would have been an intriguing game three or four weeks ago, but it is now. Welcome to the NFL. The Steelers and the Panthers. The Steelers come in as a three-point uh, underdog. Carolina with Sam Darnold and company winning at Seattle last Saturday as we've or last Sunday as we've already talked about. Uh, 37 and a half. Not a lot of points for the total. 37 and a half for the total. Panthers favored by three. Uh, the Panthers still alive, as we're talking about at the moment with an interim coach in the NFC South. They're at home. Steelers, do you realize with a five and eight record can get in the conversation with three to go if they can win this game at Carolina? This has some intrigue here in Charlotte. All right, let's get into it. No official play. Scott Kellen, quick thought on Pittsburgh, which is three and zero against the NFC South, having beaten the Buccaneers, Saints, and Falcons already playing at Carolina. Yeah, I played the under earlier in the week, TJ, at 38 and a half. It's come down now, so I'm not recommending it now. If it goes back up to 38 and a half, uh, I, I would play that uh, if, if anyone's listening. I make the number about 34 and a half, 35. So um, if I can get 38 and a half, I think there's value on the under here. One of the reasons I kind of lean towards the under now and, and took it earlier in the week, Carolina, over the last six weeks, they've kind of found their profile here. They're running the ball 64% of the time. They're just grinding out the clock. 
They ran the ball 46 times last week, and the week before that they ran it 46 times. Uh, and, and they're doing that uh, along with a pretty good defense as well. So they're going to grind this game, eat the clock, and the Steelers are still bringing a pretty form formidable defense here as well. So they're not going to make it easy for Carolina like it might have been uh, last week against Seattle. I lean towards uh, Pittsburgh here a little bit as well, and I would love to, you know, possibly take them in a teaser. If it was goes back down to two and a half, I might consider teasing them up to eight and a half. Because uh, I don't think Carolina, with a with a low total like this, and the, their their want and ability to run the ball, I don't think they're going to get great separation against a pretty good defensive team in Pittsburgh, and a Pittsburgh team that has only lost a few games by more than seven points this year. So, uh, if 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 this line would go back to two and a half, where we could tease across to three and a seven, I would certainly be interested in teasing Pittsburgh. I kind of want to see how this quarterback plays out as well, because. They're, they're practicing like three quarterbacks right now. I don't I don't know who's going to play. Uh, and Trubisky did not look good last week. I don't want anything to do with really Mason Rudolph. And, you know, we'll see if Pickett plays. But um, I lean towards the under, lean towards Pittsburgh, and would use t- uh, Pittsburgh in a teaser uh, if the line dropped down to two and a half. I have not looked, and again, we're doing this live on Thursday in the 1 Eastern time hour, if Kenny Pickett has, co- has cleared concussion protocol. He had one earlier in the year in the Buccaneer game, has another one now. He may not be available because of that in the NFL guidelines, to Scott's point. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on this with Carolina running the ball with Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, even the absence of Christian McCaffrey, as Scott pointed out, they're running it well. Any quick thoughts on them hosting the Steelers? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, Chuba Hubbard, that has to be better than one of the better names in the NFL right now, that's for sure. Uh, sounds like a football name. Uh, but, yeah, I wish Kenny Pickett was playing because he's he's been really playing well. Uh, and that's what kind of has me off this game. Like, we don't know what's happening at quarterback. It sounds like some of the Steelers' wide receivers are coming out and saying they're in support of Mason Rudolph. I don't know how you could be in support of Mitch Trubisky after coming in, into that game last week. He threw three bad interceptions. And the Ravens were trying to give that game away, right? And the Steelers just couldn't win it. Um, so, and, and it's tough on the other end too, because Carolina has been very impressive. Their defensive has been very impressive. Um, they have a ton of sacks the past four weeks and they've been running on everybody. They ran over 200 yards on Denver, so they could probably still run on Pittsburgh. The only game recently where they got stymied was against the Ravens only ran for 36 yards in that one. So you know, Pittsburgh can stop the run They're They're obviously a good defense overall. So, you know, an under looks like it's, Probably a good look in this game. I just I think the number's right. I don't really have a ton of value there on that end either. So um, just a game with a lot of question marks. And these these Carolina Panthers are officially in second place in the NFC South with a three and one divisional record. They could win the NFC South if they keep on winning. Uh, you know the whole division's facing each other these final four weeks too. So a lot to be decided. But very interesting game and an important game for both teams. All right, we will see what Carolina has. Steve Wilkes is the interim coach. He wins. There's sentiment right now for him to get the, the permanent job. If he wins another game or two, he's probably going to end up being the permanent coach the way they've responded to him. We will wait and see. So the Steelers come in, and again, the Steelers, if they win, are 6-8, and eight, and they're on the fringe of the AFC playoff picture with three games to go. So there's a lot in it for them. Let's see what happens. No official plays from the guys. Okay, Dallas Cowboys still in the hunt for the NFC East title, playing against Jacksonville, who whipped up the Jaguars on the Tennessee Titans last week. We mentioned the Cowboys by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin boys, able to pull it out in the final minute with the Texans at home. All right, Dallas laying four at Jacksonville, total 48 in this game. 
Chris Farley, we're back to you for the official play. What do you have with Trevor Lawrence and company trying to be upset-minded? Yeah, I am going for it. Sorry if you heard my German Shepherd complaining in the background. <laughs> he tends to do that sometimes. Um, I'm going for it in this one, taking the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Um, I would like the to German see Shepherd was signaling, take the underdog. I yeah. like it. Take the dog. You coordinated that well. Continue. Either well, he's 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 kind of complaining, so I think he might. You know, either that, or I'm hungry, or I need to go out and go to the bathroom. Yeah. But we'll go with the underdog theme. Continue. Well, if he's a Cowboys fan, we're gonna have a problem. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, Jacksonville is playing some good football right now, and a lot of that is because of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he, he is he is a top two rated quarterback the past six weeks. And you can see it on the field, right? I mean, he's coming into his own. And I think this is a pretty decent matchup for Jacksonville, too. Obviously, Dallas's defensive line is, is crazy good when they want to be. They really weren't last week against Houston. Uh, but, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line is quietly one of the better units in the NFL, probably top 10 at this point. And Trevor Lawrence is learning how to get rid of the ball quick anyway. So even if they get some pressure, he's handling those situations and moving in the pocket a lot better than what we've seen in the past. I also like this Jacksonville defense against the Cowboys. I mean, Dak Prescott does not look comfortable right now. He threw some really bad interceptions last week. Now, again, their defense playing down last week, Dak playing down last week. Maybe they really correct a lot of these things this week, but they have that look ahead against the Eagles too in six days from this game. Um, and, you know, even though I'd probably like it even more if Dallas blew out Houston last week, this still feels like a little bit of just a, a you know, a, a game they have to get through instead of a game that they really care about. Um, so Jacksonville's playing good football. Their defense is very athletic and, and very, you know, they have a lot of like explosive um, young players on that defense. And if Dak makes a mistake or two, Jacksonville might end up winning this game with the way that their offense is producing at this point. So they got to take Jacksonville plus four at home. I, you know, I'm a little scared that Dallas just like fixes everything and you know puts it all out there. But again, when you got Philly and that huge NFC East look ahead game, um, I think I think they're not going to show all of their all of their cards in this one either. So I think they try to kind of play close to the vest, a lot of running in this one, and Jacksonville can at least hang around. All right, uh, he's got thoughts there on the Jaguars. Scott Kellen, some thoughts with the Cowboys again. Is it a look-ahead Scott, uh, Scott, uh, spot here, Scott, for the Cowboys with that upcoming game with the Eagles? Some people in the live chat are saying that. Perfect perfect spot to take the Jaguars on the look-ahead. Scott, quick thought or two if no play. It could be a look-ahead. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's a non-conference game, so in terms of you know meaningful games, it's a little bit less meaningful. Micah Parsons is already talking about Jalen Hurts and whatnot, so uh, you know he's got that on his mind already, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the other thing to note here, Dallas is starting to lose a few people in the secondary as well. Um, and, and to the point where Trayvon Mullen, who the Raiders traded to Arizona like back in week one or maybe right before the season, he played a fair amount with Arizona on, in Monday night's game. And then all of a sudden they cut him and now the Cowboys pick him up. So and and and, and uh, Trayvon Diggs is uh, he's banged up. I think he's going to play. I haven't really seen anything that indicates he won't play. But the fact that they're picking up Trayvon Mullen um, is you know, kind of tells me that they know they've got some uh, issues there in the secondary that they have to overcome. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes from that. Uh, and Dallas is coming off three straight games at home. They have not been on the road in four weeks, basically. So my numbers, you know, depending on where some of these injury situations play out, support Dallas a little bit here. But this just feels like a very difficult game for them 
to go in. Uh, I will say the one thing for Jacksonville, looks like Trayvon Walker is probably going to miss this game. High ankle sprain, nice edge, edge rusher for them. So that hurts him a little bit defensively. Uh, I'm actually kind of trying to get to a number where I can support the over in this game. I'm not quite there yet, but this Jacksonville defense is still bottom 10 or bottom 13 uh, in, in the league. I think Dallas will be able to score them. They've played a lot of bad defenses since uh, Dak got back, and so I think Dallas can score some points in this game. And uh, I, I think Jacksonville can score some points as well. The Jacksonville offensive line has done a good job protecting Lawrence. He gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. And I've said, you know, kind of all year, yes, the Cowboys have a pass rush, but if that pass rush doesn't get there, I don't love their secondary. So I think Jacksonville, you know, possibly can can do some damage there. Uh, so my my biggest lean in this game would be to the over. I'm still trying to get there to find enough value to play it, but I would lean to the over in this game. All right, fair enough on that. The official play does belong to Chris Farley. He is on the side. He's on the Jacksonville Jaguars plus the four in the matchup with the Cowboys. Can they pull off an upset here that would damage Dallas trying to chase Philadelphia right now at the end of the season for the NFC East and a home playoff game? All right, uh, amongst all of the games that have real relevance, this one's probably at the bottom of the list, unfortunately, the next one. We will talk about it nonetheless, probably not for very long. Arizona, Cardinals, Denver Broncos. Cardinals off a Monday night game where they lost Kyler Murray. Yuck, ACL injury. Denver Broncos had a great comeback going against the Chiefs. They lose Russell Wilson to a concussion. He's not cleared concussion protocol as of yet midweek might we be getting Colt McCoy against Brett Ripien in this game in Denver Denver lane three total 36 neither handicapper really on this guys let's move quickly Scott Kellen quick thought or two for the peeps that are watching and uh, and Mike care on this game go ahead <laughs> uh, I'll just say Kingsbury has a pretty good history as a road dog 16-4 Colt McCoy will start this game he's 3-0 and actually won all three of those games with Kingsbury so he's done this on the road before I think it's gonna be very difficult though we kind of saw with this limited Arizona offensive line and McCoy just doesn't have the athletic ability you know they did a, a bootleg and he couldn't get around uh, Matthew Judon in that game and He's older. I mean, and he's going to face the same thing with this Denver offense. And Arizona just has not had a good history this year against good defenses scoring. So I think it's going to be very difficult for them to score. Uh, and then one other thing I'd say with the Cowboys here, now again, you know, again, it's not Russell Wilson. So who knows what you get at quarterback. I think they're going to get Randy Gregory back, which will help them uh, as an edge rusher as well. No play for me. I don't really want to lay points with Denver and Arizona's a mess right now. Chris, we try to dress it up as best we can at times. We're going to have another game like this coming up at the end of the show, too. There's just not a lot of redeeming value here on this one. So any thoughts? I know there's no play. Yeah, I, I was hoping that the line would come out a little closer to even so that I could play on the Broncos because I think it's a good opportunity for them to win a game. You know, they're at home. The defense plays really well. The Cardinals' offense is is not something to be intimidated by at this point. You know, Cole McCoy can run the offense well, but – He's not going to do anything that's going to make the Denver defense uncomfortable. I just, you know, with possibly Brett Ripien playing, I mean, I guess Russell Wilson should play, right? He has Wolverine blood. Uh, so we, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Just too many unknowns here in this one. And, and it's, I just got to say, you know, Kyler Murray is somebody who, I, who I've, you know, criticized because if you're going to be a quarterback, like, you know, watch some game field uh, film, you know, be into what you're doing. But really unfortunate. Uh, what happened last week. I mean, an ACL yep. tear, that's going to put him out of business for a little while. Maybe it's the end of him and Cliff Kingsbury and that 
whole relationship, you know, who knows. But what a what a terrible year for an Arizona team that started off so hot last season. Well, and Steve Kime, the general manager, has now taken a leave on Wednesday night for health reasons. It is coming apart in Arizona. So Arizona on the road at Denver uh, coming up on Sunday. By the way, thank you to all the audience that's joined us live. We continue to rock it up to 300 live viewers. We've been hovering right around that here earlier in the show. For all of you that are in here that are watching us live that haven't hit the like button, do that. Make sure that you hit the bell. Make sure you're subscribing and sharing it out. Thank you for finding us. Help us out with the show. We're here Thursdays, 1 Eastern time, all the way through the end of the NFL regular season, all the way into the postseason as well. Let's move on. Tennessee Titans off that loss to the Jaguars. Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, remain at home after beating the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. Even with some injuries on defense, they persevered through. They got the win. Chargers lay the three, total 47 and a half in this matchup. And uh, there's not going to be, or there actually is going to be an official play, and it does belong to Scott Kellen. Scott, what do you have officially here with the L.A. Chargers at home and the Titans trying to hang in in the AFC South race? Yeah, um, I'm going over uh, the 47 and a half. Now, key thing here, show purposes, for grading purposes, is going to be 47 and a half. As we've been doing this show just uh, you know, a few minutes ago, I saw this line. The total got bet down to 46 and a half. And I believe it's 46 and a half at Bet US now as well, uh, which is a pretty big difference. You can get 46 and a half on an over versus 47 and a half. So if you play this, uh, you're getting a better number, which is great. Grading purposes, of course, will be at 47 and a half. Not sure what's happening that brought it down. Maybe Danico Altry is, uh, you know, more confirmed to play or something in this game. Um, but I went over in the Tennessee game last week. I'm going to do it here again this week. Uh, Tennessee's offense, you know, it, it's questionable. Uh, but I think, A, they should be able to run the ball. Uh, they haven't run the ball great this year, but they did run it well last week, and now they're going to face this Chargers defense, which is bottom, uh, you know, basically bottom in the league in rush defense. So I think Tennessee can generate some offense that way and also be able to throw. I don't know what happened with this Chargers defense last week that they just completely stymied uh, Miami, but this is not the defense that we've seen from the Chargers all year. And Tennessee, when they have played bad defenses this year, uh, they've scored 24 against Vegas, 27 against Green Bay, 22 last week against Jacksonville. So I'm pretty confident they're going to get into the 20s uh, in this game. And the other side of it for Tennessee, which we kind of mentioned last week as well, they played a lot of bottom offenses uh, this year. And so obviously they've they've held you know, a fair amount of those offenses down. But when they played good offenses, uh, they're giving up 23 or more points in those games. So I can see both these teams getting to 23, 24 points, which, you know, at 46 and a half, uh, you know, where it's at right now uh, is pretty key. Uh, so I think there's a, a fair amount of chance that this game can get over the 47 and a half for show purposes because Tennessee's offense should be able to do something against this Charger defense, which will probably still be missing Derwin James. And now that the Chargers have the center, Corey Lindsley back, uh, Mike Williams back, he looked good last week, uh, as well as Keenan Allen. I think they can do damage against this Tennessee defense, which still has numerous injuries, including uh, Kristen Fulton in their secondary. They might get Autry back, who's an edge rusher for him, and he's a good edge rusher. But they ir David Long last week, who's one of their better run stoppers as well. So uh, there's still enough injuries on this Tennessee defense. The secondary has been weak all year. I think both teams can score points here. I lean to the Chargers as a spread, but I don't love laying points with the Chargers. I think the better play here is the over the total. All right, good enough. Chris Farley, thoughts? If no official play here, Tennessee's got to have this late in the season, still trying to hang on to the division lead. Any thoughts here with them on the road in Los Angeles? 
Yeah, this is one of the hardest games to handicap for me this week. Uh, the next one is right along the same lines. Um, you know, ten, two teams I kind of want to play on because the Tennessee Titans had their run game going really well in that first half against Jacksonville. I think I think Derrick Henry got over 100 yards in the first half. But then they had to switch their game plan, right? Because when you turn it over four times, you give Jacksonville a bunch of short fields, you go down, things change. And they're just really not built for that. You know, we saw Tannehill have a great game against the Packers. Uh, sorry, sorry about that, Scott. I mean, you know, Scott, your Packers and our Giants this year. It's, it's been hey. rough. Uh, but but uh, we're, we're, we're on to building for next year, so it's all good. Exactly, right. exactly, yeah. So Tannehill had a good passing game in that one, but we really haven't seen it a lot this year. You know, Traylon Burks is a big part of that, if he's on the field or not. But, you know, Tennessee should be able to thrive on the ground in this one. Um, that was a lot about Miami's game plan last week against the Chargers, not really following through with that. Uh, whereas Chargers and Justin Herbert now having Mike Williams back, and Mike Williams finally looks healthy. And we, you saw what, what a he did catch! Last. What a oh, catch in the back of the end zone, the sidelines. I mean, that yep. that's what he does, right? And you know, he's probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. And their crew, when they're healthy, is one of the best wide receiver, you know, trios in the NFL too. Especially with Palmer now coming up as a speed wide receiver. So um, kind of want to play on both these teams, and that's what has me off of it. Not a lot of home field advantage there for the Chargers. I think the line is fair. And I'll just say this. I, I just, I'm a little concerned about the Titans because they've been playing so well this season. But the past few weeks, luckily, ever since that Eagles game, it, they just kind of had their you know gut punched, uh, the like, air taken out of them a little bit. And it's like, are we able to compete with the most elite teams in the NFL? Uh, you know, Maybe a little bit of a lack of confidence in that organization right now. So... The Chargers are a team I'd want to play on more, but at three, the line is right. So nothing for me in this one. Hey, I'll right. just add yep. one thing in there, you know, about Tennessee, too. Uh, all their wins this year, except for one win, have game against teams with five wins or less. Yep. And the one, the one, you know, uh, uh, the other win was against Washington, that they actually got dominated in the stats in that game. And Washington was on the goal line and, and threw an interception at the goal line at the end of the game. So they're one in five straight up against winning teams. Chargers are kind of right in the middle there. So... You know, they've, they've done a lot of their damage against bad teams. So, you know, there's reason to be concerned with them along with the injuries. Yeah, both teams got to have it. Again, the uh, Titans are a couple of games clear right now in the South. But don't laugh, guys. If Indianapolis finds a way to win and Tennessee doesn't win this game, the Colts are now within a game and a half with three to go for the division. Tennessee doesn't want that. We'll see what happens. Jacksonville uh, as well, TJ. They've yeah, already right. beat them. And they get them yeah. one more time at the end of the year. Can Jacksonville get to a seventh win, eighth win, ninth win? We don't know. We'll see on that. What we do know is that Scott Kellen wants points, points, points in this matchup with Titans and Chargers for the over 47 and a half. Three games to go. Thank you for finding us on the BetUS NFL show. If you're with us live here on a Thursday, uh, also uh, make sure that you've hit that like button. We, we've had over uh, almost 300 live viewers. We're not to 50 likes yet. What are you people waiting on? Hit the like button real quick. That's going to help us out. Share the show out as well uh, here on the program. I want to see that like button jump up uh, here with some more of those. For those of you that are watching us and you're giving some comments and some questions coming across the bottom of the screen, we love all that. We're all good. Let's move on. Three games to go, and this one has a lot of relevance. The Cincinnati Bengals in Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the first time in eight years. Joe Burrow's first matchup with Tom Brady. We saw what the rookie Brock Purdy did at home last week. Brady and the Bucs maintain an NFC South lead by a game at 6-7. and seven. 
The Bengals maintain the AFC North lead right now at 9-4. and four. Bengals favored by four in Tampa here. Total is 44 in this game. There's not an official play. Scott Kellen, back to you quickly for a thought or two on the Buccaneers that have had all kinds of of trouble scoring. You want a stat, Scott, to help yeah. you out right now? The yeah. Buccaneers are on track to have as bad an offensive season as the 2-14 and 14 Lovey Smith Buccaneers of 2014 and also the 1985 Lehman Bennett 2-14 and 14 Buccaneers. The, the current 2022 Buccaneers are in the same range right now through 13 games, yet they've won six games when those other teams only won two for the whole year. It's been a struggle on offense. Quick thought here, Bucks bengals uh, By the way, I forgot Lovey Smith even coached them, TJ. So and there you go. You <laughs> um, uh, look, I mean, every week we kind of think Tampa Bay is going to do something offensively, and they just don't. Uh, that's the first thing. And Cincinnati comes in with uh, my 13th-ranked defense. So in the games that Tampa has scored 20 or more points this year, they have faced the 16th, 30th, 17th, and 26th rated defenses. Uh, and so I just don't know how they can even get to 20 points in this game. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, the big question there, they've got a couple of receivers. T. Higgins, he's got a hamstring issue. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to play in this game. And then Tyler Boyd's uh, got a, a finger, dislocated finger issue. So we'll see what happens there. Tampa Bay is a mess on the defensive side. They might get some of these guys back in the secondary. I think Antoine Winfield maybe is practicing. I can't remember if I saw that or not. Vita Vey was out. He's probably going to miss this game. So they've got a bunch of issues there on the defensive side. Um, I show a little bit of value with Tampa Bay, actually, but uh, I really can't play them. I actually show a little bit of value with the over here, but I would have to know that the Bengals receivers are healthy and can play to full capability because I think Cincinnati against the banged up Tampa Bay defense could get to 27 points. I went, I ended up going over on that game last week for San Francisco and Tampa Bay just because it was such a low total, but I'd have to make sure we got a lot of healthy guys to go over, but I do lean over in this game a little bit. All right. Chris Farley thoughts here. Bengals as the road favorite, the important game for them. Buccaneers problems with scoring thoughts here real quick. Yeah, not much to say about this game. Uh, you know, listening to Joe Burrow in his press conference, I think yesterday, you know, the guy is just ice cold. I mean, he's not he's not going to be intimidated at all going up against Tom Brady. And, you know, the Bucs just better hope that the, the Bengals don't get their run game going. And Vita Vea being out is a huge part of that. He's a yep. significant uh, a piece of their run-stopping ability. You know, because if the Bengals can control the clock and play the kind of offense that they want to play, I think this one could get ugly. Um, at the same time, you have to give some value to Tampa Bay at home on a desperate spot, you know, but we've been saying this all year, right? It's like, it's still Tom Brady, you know, it's a good spot for him. Uh, and things just haven't looked good. We talked about before the show too. Brady is just flat out missing some throws. There's something off between him and Mike Evans and his wide receivers, but he's also just maybe not as physically able as he used to be. You know, I remember four years ago, we were saying, well, I think this is the year Tom Brady declines. And now right. everyone just, like, stops saying that, right? But uh, eventually it's going to happen, and maybe it's happening right now. I don't want anything to do with this game, but I wouldn't be surprised by either result. If Tampa Bay keeps it close, you know, they need to. I mean, they, they want to win their division. But I could see the Bengals absolutely blowing the doors off Tampa Bay because they Tampa can't score. I mean, they just can't score. 
Not on this continent. They had no problem scoring in Germany. <laughs> the game will not be in Germany, however. Uh, and again, at field level, uh, Brady has still got accuracy. He can still make some of the throws. The longer throws, though, he's underthrown guys. He's overthrown guys. They haven't been consistent with that. And the point production has just not been there so far. Let's see if they wake up, though. This is a huge opportunity to take a big step towards winning the NFC South and having a home playoff game. For all the laughter about everything, they win their 7-7, seven and seven, and they're on the verge of winning the NFC South. If the Bucs can get it, we'll see what they do with the Bengals. No official play from the guys on this matchup. Two games to go. One of them is New England. Off of the win on Monday night, short week, staying out west. They won in the desert of Phoenix. They'll go to the other desert of Las Vegas after staying out west to take on Derek Carr and the Raiders, who when last we saw them, they collapsed in the final quarter and lost to Baker Mayfield on two days' notice as the Rams quarterback, leading a comeback win over the Raiders, uh, which uh, put a dagger in them after they had won, what, three games in a row. All right, uh, guys, there's it's a pick em game. This was the Sunday night game. It got moved to earlier Sunday afternoon by NBC. The Commanders-Giants game is now the Sunday night game. So this game got moved off Sunday night, total 44 and a half. In this matchup in Las Vegas, Scott Kellen, your thought on this and an official play real quick. Yeah, I'm going to take Vegas. This is a little scary against uh, New England, so I, I always worry about that. But I will take them at the pick em. It looks like, and this is part of the bet, so you know if this doesn't happen, uh, you may not want to take Vegas. But it looks like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are both back this week uh, for the Raiders. Uh, which will greatly help uh, their offense as well. So, and it looks like, you know, the Patriots could have, they have a few injury issues here as well. Jacoby Myers, you know, he may not play this week. Uh, Stevenson, the running back, may not play. Um, and uh, Devontae Parker got hurt last week. He may not play. So they could be down some serious weapons on offense here as well. And, you know, the offensive line is okay for uh, New England, but you know they're going to face a, a decent pass rush here from the Raiders at home as well. Uh, look, the, the Raiders find all sorts of way to lose. They did it again last week, just unbelievable. Um, but at the end of the day, this team isn't horrible. And uh, you know, to me, New England is is kind of an average team here. And the Raiders have shown, as good as New England's defense is, uh, the Raiders have shown they can score. They scored 32 and 22 points on Denver this year, which is the best defenses uh, that they have faced this year. And I, I think they can get into the 20s, 25, 27 points again against this New England team. The real question will be, can the Raiders defense hold New England down enough? And if New England is minus some of these offensive weapons, uh, that could be a problem. My numbers show a little bit of value to Vegas here uh, with Waller and, and Renfro, Renfro playing uh so i'm gonna make a play on the raiders here and uh hope they can get the win at home all right just gonna take the raiders real quick uh chris farley any thoughts here they have to be seething after blowing that game uh against the rams 10 days ago now they're at home any thoughts on raiders patriots yeah i think this game is going to be won or lost um when the patriots have the football right because uh if they can put up some points, I think their pass defense and their defense in general is going to be good enough to at least limit the Raiders, even though, you know, not a, not a great thing that the Raiders are getting back some of those skill players in this matchup. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing I'm just thinking about this game, I don't have a bet on it, and it's a really tough one to choose. But at the end of the day, right, you got a December football game, and it's Josh McDaniels against Bill Belichick. I mean, pretty pretty big disparity there, right? The Raiders have blown more leads this year. There's some kind of record out there about that. Uh, and that's yeah. that speaks to coaching, if you ask me, right? Just teams kind of 
you know, letting down, uh, getting a little loose when they have a lead, and they're doing that over and over again this year. Uh, that's not something you want to do on the Patriots, right? Because the you know Patriots will block a punt, you know, they'll block a field goal, they'll like create that's some right. opportunities with their special teams or defense. So I fear that for the Raiders, but the Raiders certainly have a more capable offense when things are clicking. It's a good spot for them at home. Um, both teams really need this game too. I mean, Vegas is almost out of the playoff race, but they're not quite. So, you know, there there is some motivation here. So uh, no pick for me, no play on the total over. I think everything is just about right with my uh, where I handicap it. And New England obviously still in the AFC playoff picture right now. Uh, trailing Buffalo and Miami, but in the playoff picture at seven and six, back-to-back road games for them. They did stay out west, as I keep mentioning, after they played Arizona. Short week, though, playing the Raiders. And Scott Kellen says, give me Las Vegas here for the official play on this matchup on Sunday. He will take the Raiders and the pick line, the money line, essentially. All right, one game to go. Here's the other one where I'd love to tell you there was some redeeming value. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield starting his first game. Uh, here for the Rams. Well, he actually, what he started, but he's now had 10 days uh, to get used to the offense. He actually might know some first and last names on some of the Ram teammates uh, at this point as they play in Green Bay against the Packers. Packers laying seven and a half uh, in this one off of a bye week. 39 and a half is the total. This is going to be the final official play of the show to close this out. It belongs to Scott Kellen, and it's the back half of your tease from all the way at the beginning of the show. What do you like? Yeah, forget it's been so long ago. Forget who we teased it with. It's both <laughs> was that, yes, was right? that last so, uh, Thursday? Was that last Thursday? Or was that earlier today? No, it yeah, was earlier yeah, today. Go exactly. Ahead. Yeah, so we we teased Baltimore early in the show, and we're going to tease the Packers here down to one and a half. I'm not. I I show value with Green Bay. You know, even laying seven and a half here, um, but I feel much more comfortable uh, taking the teaser and getting this down to to one and a half. Um, Look, the Rams are a mess. They were a mess going into that game last week. Miraculously, somehow they pulled that game out with Baker Mayfield. One of the, one of the greatest performances ever when you consider, you know, all the, the pieces of him coming there two days beforehand, one practice, and, you know, who knows what he's trying to make up in the huddle. How many plays could he have possibly known in that game? Maybe a half dozen, <laughs> maybe ten, that he knows the terminology, knows the code word, and knows the plays. That was I think, incredible. And now, I think now he's, he's a better backyard quarterback, right? That's yeah, and that's, and that's what yeah. the end of the game was. Great point, Chris. That's what it was. And that's what this may devolve into. Who knows? Scott, I didn't mean to derail you. Go ahead, my friend. No, no, it's all good. I mean, I think one of his receivers I heard, you know, the next day in the huddle, Baker was making some calls, and the receiver's like, that's not right. Like, he's just making the wrong calls, right? And, <laughs> is that and, the Cleveland know, I, offense, or is that the Carolina offense? Because that's yeah, not the Ram I mean, offense. Yes, exactly. It's just crazy, right? And, and some of that came in, and the Raiders had a – Terrible defensive play on there at the end and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So it helped play into that. But uh, nonetheless, they still have no receivers. They still have no offensive line here. And, yes, Baker, you know, maybe can make up for a few things here. But this is still not a great team. And the Packers season has been very rough. But as a Packer fan, I can kind of feel what I think the Packers are feeling here as well. The last four weeks, Christian Watson, you know, their their draft pick, uh, eight touchdowns in four weeks. And they're starting, and now he's he's averaging 2.30 yards per route run, which is, uh, I think, about 14th in the league. They're starting to see from him, you know, everything that they thought when they drafted him. And I think Aaron Rodgers getting a little uh, rejuvenated from that as well. And, uh, you know, starting to see this offense come together. He's got most of his offensive players back. Bakhtiari, uh, I think, is going to miss another game. Uh, so they won't have him. But uh, offensively, this team in the last four weeks, they've scored – 28 or more points in three of those four weeks. Um, and they beat the Bears 27-10 here at home early in the year. 
fluky game two weeks ago where they beat them 28 to 19. Um, but you know, the Rams are really no better than the bears right now, record wise. Uh, and so the Packers have only played three teams this year that are not in the playoffs and below 500. So they've actually had a pretty difficult schedule. And when they played these, these worst teams and the Rams right now are, are kind of a mess. Um, you know, Green Bay has been able to handle their, their own a little bit here. They've got their own issues defensively. But the Rams, for as good as they are defensively, they've given up like 26 points in like five of their last six games, I think, or so. I don't know if Aaron Donald's going to play. Obviously, if he doesn't play, that doesn't help as well. Um, so I think, you know, basically asking Green Bay to win this game at home, uh, you know, both teams are kind of off at long rest here because the Rams played last Thursday. So not as huge of an advantage coming off the bye. But I think this is a good spot for Green Bay. There is a little bit of energy with Green Bay right now with some of this youth that they've got. Um, and I think it plays well. And the Rams, to me, are just kind of playing out the year. Maybe Baker, you know, provides some energy there as well. But uh, I think at the end of the day, eventually Baker reverts back to Baker. And I like the Packers to basically just win the game. They are at home in this matchup. Chris Farley, we've come to the end here. Final thought, no official play from you on uh, on this one where the Rams are a shell of the Super Bowl team. I mean, I know ESPN was so looking forward to this being a meaningful December Monday night football game. Sorry, uh, with the Rams in shambles. Any quick thought here? Yeah, uh, well, just first a quick thought about a few things. I think that's the last Payne and Eli show of the regular season, so that stinks <laughs> that they get this game to end it, but uh, the kind of the par for the course for them. And also, you know, these 90-minute shows, it's it's a lot. Thanks, Thank you to everybody for hanging with yep. us. I think... I think we saw one uh, person was in here from Greece. So we have people from all over the world. That's, that's awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, and you know, thank you for the commentary and everything throughout. Um, I, I agree with everything Scott said. I think there's kind of low-key and, and excitement in Green Bay right now, and it kind of feels like it's a little bit of a farewell tour for Aaron Rodgers to, like, you know, let's, let's play for Aaron, let's play at Green Bay. You know, and now I, I don't know if that's true and if this is his final season there in Green Bay or not, but – um, you know, just when you're in these situations where all you really have left to play for is pride and, you know, protecting your home field and what Aaron Rodgers has done there for, you know, what, two decades. Um, you know, it, it's just a much better position for the Packers in this game. And I wouldn't expect, I think I saw uh, Vincent Hawkins said, Baker throws for 400 and the Rams yep. win. I, I wouldn't expect that every week. There were some egregiously bad things happening on that drive that, you know, caused that. I mean, credit to Baker, but, you know, Raiders defense really crapped the bed in that situation, too. So I think the only way you can look at this is is a teaser leg. I can't trust Green Bay at seven and a half, but certainly trust them to win this game. So this this was going to be my third option if I didn't have the second option. And Scott Kellen says, give me the Packers on the teaser line, pairing it all the way back at the beginning of the show. With the Baltimore Ravens, this is the second half of his tease. We officially lock him in. That is the Packers on Monday Night Football teasing the line down to one and a half. Great stuff here, guys. Let's look at the best bets. Let's recap it all. If you joined us at some point during the show, including late in the show, here's what the guys are on officially. I'm not going to go over all this because they've got a ton of plays, but take a look starting with Thursday night, even into the Saturday games, what the guys have, a large underdog play from Chris on Sunday, a couple of sides uh, from Scott as well, laying some points. So just check all of that over with the guys and their best bets. Again, the show has been doing exceptionally well. We've been picking at over a 70% clip over the last four or five weeks. Let's have it continue, shall we? Guys, a long show. We went through every game. We're here for the audience. We're only here once a week, and we went through every game. You're going to get that audience every week at 1 Eastern time on Thursday or playing us back later Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
Final thoughts, anything else in closing? Or have we talked enough? Chris Farley, you good? Well, I, I guess just pay attention to these Southern divisions. AFC South, NFC South. It's going to be really interesting to see how they shake up. Somebody wins, somebody gets a home playoff game. Them's the rules. Scott Kellen, final thought? Hey, I'm just excited. We got three games on Saturday, and they're all, I think, you know, for the most part, going to be fairly decent games. So excited to have NFL on Saturday along with, you know, all the other days that we see it every week. No doubt. All right, great stuff. My thanks to Alejandro, everybody at BetUS. You see all the offers going by on the screen. Take advantage of all of those at BetUS.com. Odds boosts for the Thursday night game also in play at BetUS.com. Go check those out for the 49ers and the Seahawks. Chris Farley, thank you. Scott Kellen, thank you. And we thank you for watching.